Amen. You can turn to First Timothy chapter six. continue our study of the mythology of modern science and what I was hoping to preach this morning is is a little more technical in nature and thus it is going to require some study on my part and regrettably due to my workload last week I did not have time to invest in study So I really want to be able to explain this as it ought to be explained. So this morning we will be having a review of what we have learned thus far. But in this review, I'm going to open up with and close with a practical example of using biblical apologetics. I hope it is insightful. We'll be reading in 1 Timothy Chapter 6, starting in verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things and before Christ Jesus who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that thou keep this commandment without spot unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate the King of kings and Lord of lords who only hath immortality dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. And then to verse 20. As Paul warns his disciple and son in the faith, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science or knowledge falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Father, we do come. For your throne today in need that you would teach us and guide us and instruct us by thy spirit through thy word. Pray that you would anoint both to speak and to hear, to receive thy truth that makes free. Father, accomplish your purpose here this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to open up this morning with an entreaty that I sent to my mother's husband. And this man is an atheist, an evolutionist. I've sought to reason with him, but he utterly hates me. And whenever he writes to me, he cannot help but to curse. And he does so in all caps. And when I stopped at his house coming back from New Mexico with my daughter's, 
We stopped at my mom's house to see her. He came. He greeted. He walked straight to us, wouldn't make eye contact with me, greeted my daughters, turned around and walked away, never even looked at me, spoke a word to me the whole time I was there. Before I left, I asked my mother if I should seek to talk to him. She said, go ahead. I went out to the boathouse to try just to, to, to thank him, to reason with him. To, he would have nothing to do with it. And so I got to meditating, and I wrote him an entreaty. I said, dear Harold, I wanted to thank you for allowing us to visit your home and spend time with mom. As I sought to speak to you upon leaving, you made several accusations against me, how I have treated my mother and daughters. Although I'm not aware of any injustice to either of them, which you may be referring to, I am curious to know why you would even say something like that, given your worldview. To my understanding, and perhaps you have altered your views, you hold the philosophical and pseudoscientific belief of Darwinian evolution. At least you did the last time we spoke of these things. It is confusing as to why you would imply that I have behaved toward others in a way that I should or ought not act. It is as if you are accusing me of doing something morally wrong. My challenge to you is this. That is, if you are a lover of truth and consistency and believe your views on life and the universe are actually rational. If evolution is true, then we are all nothing more than bags of biological juice. Rearranged bipedal pond scum, stardust even. Moreover, there can be no objective binding and universal standard of morality which you are appealing to in your injunctions against me which would serve as an authoritative standard of morality which I am obligated to obey. Thus, either evolution is indeed science fiction and you are actually aware of objective morality or you are seeking to play God yourself and are merely throwing a fit because I am not acquiescing to your arbitrary and self-made standard of morality. I surely want to be subject to what is true and moral and decent, so I'm appealing to you in hopes that you can provide this objective and binding standard of morality which you're seeking to impose upon me. Also, I said I'm interested to know what your epistemology is and so forth. I closed... There is only one worldview which is rational and internally consistent, and that is Christianity. Thus, no man rejects Christianity upon rational grounds, but rather upon emotional ones. The reason why sinners cannot find God is the same reason the thief cannot find the police station, not because he does not know where it is, but because he is guilty. Moreover, men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself, but because it contradicts their sin and autonomy which they love. Sadly, most professing atheists are not willing to take an objective look at the many inconsistencies and anti-scientific necessities of their worldview and rather prefer to hide from the light of philosophical examination. I cannot force you to dialogue with me, but I would think if you believe that you actually have truth, and I am the pathetic peddler of a simpleton's fairy tale, it should be no problem for you to show the rationality of what you profess. I sincerely hope you will engage and we can have a respectful and rational dialogue. He writes back, cursing me, saying, if you write to me again, I will count it as harassment. 
sad. But this is, for the most part, what you find with atheists. They're not lovers of truth. They don't want to come to the light and allow their philosophies to be examined. As we have seen, the triune Christian God's existence provides the only rational explanation for life as we know it. And all men have the knowledge of Him. Just as Harold accused me of doing something morally wrong. You see, that's the knowledge of God that He has. He knows there is such a thing as objective morality. He knows there's such a thing as right and wrong. But that only makes sense in the Christian worldview. You see, that's the knowledge of God that He has, but He suppresses. Therefore, faith in Jesus Christ is the only rational foundation for a man to build his house of life upon. However, autonomous man naively believes, as I've said, that he can get rid of Jesus and the Bible stories, but still keep science, logic, and rationality. But he cannot do that and still remain consistent and rational. And you see, and that's what we are to do. To benevolently confront them. As, ba- as Van Til told Bonson, he said, it's not about winning arguments. It's about lovingly exposing their inconsistencies and showing them that you do have the knowledge of God, but you are suppressing it. Most are so deceived by their pride that they are unable to see or unwilling to see and face the ramifications of their professed worldview. You see, the Bible says, he that doeth truth cometh to the light. You see that? And you see this at LSU. Anybody can take pot shots at Christianity. Anybody can stand there and criticize. And what about this? And what about that? But when you act as God and say, okay, won't you gird your loins and let me ask you a few questions. Let you stand here and defend what you say that you believe. Then the folly is exposed. You see, young people, perhaps some of you believe that your parents are just a little too strict and that you are perhaps being oppressed and you really know the way your parents ought to run your house. I suggest something to you here this morning. Go sit down and you ask your parents, hey, my parents, I'd like to have a sabbatical from homeschool today, mother. Can I just go to my room and, and write down a treatise of the way God would have you to run this house so I can present that to you? <laughs> I encourage you to do that. And as you seek to articulate that and write that down, hopefully that will be enough. But you see, when you seek to write these things down and then bring them into the light, not for scientific peer review, but for parent review, you will see that you really don't know what you're talking about. And you have no biblical foundation to stand upon. But the atheists would rather 
A world without meaning, free will, self-conscious, rational thought, knowledge, morality, and human dignity than a world with the Christian God. Why? Because only in a world without the Christian God can they actually remain God. As we know, all men are equally religious. But the religious landscape of our day is more akin to a nebulous and emotional Greek mythology. You see, we live in a culture of myths. Very powerfully deceptive and commanding myths. That's what most people, if they were to really set down everything they believed to be right and wrong and true and reality, it would be nothing but myths that are not grounded in reality. Do you realize that what most people actually believe is groundless, unscientific, irrational, and unbiblical nonsense. That's the case of most people in the world. What most people are convinced is true is utterly false. What most believe is love is really hatred. What most are convinced is scientific is nothing but a fairy tale. You see, most people are living in a fantasy world and just playing the game of life. As it says in Isaiah, they have chosen their own ways. Their soul delighteth in their abominations. I also will choose their delusions. There's a corporate spirit, a judgment of delusion upon our culture. Men Utterly deceived, convinced they're right, but having no clue whatsoever. As it says in Ecclesiastes, folly is set in great dignity. People do not want to think, and they surely do not want to be scrutinized. They do not love truth. And they do not really care about being consistent. They are idolaters. And they esteem emotions above reason. And they have sentimental longings which they want to fulfill. And therefore, they are ripe for mythology. That's that's why people believe what they believe. Because they have these internal ungodly, sentimental longings and idols that they are seeking to preserve. And so they're ripe for the mythology of our age. The mythology of atheism. There are no atheists. The mythology of evolution. The mythology of Big Bang cosmology. I mean, this is just a story. There's no scientific validity for it whatsoever. The myth of psychology It's not grounded in any science at all. It's an utter fable, a myth. The myth of judging. We we, we shouldn't judge anyone. The myth of pluralism that all ways to God are legitimate ways to God, except for Christianity. The myth of relativism and the myth, the myth of the mythological, mythological Jesus. 
Most people's idea of Jesus is some kind of a European metrosexual with the hair of a shampoo model who just went around telling everyone how wonderful they... You see, these are myths that people believe. And then the myth of religious neutrality. It's a myth. You're religious. I'm scientific. You live by faith. I live by reason. You've got... That's a myth. All men are equally religious. All men have an object of worship, the creator or the creature. All men believe in miracles. In the beginning, God or nothing created everything. All men live by faith, either in their autonomous reason or the word of God. You see, these are all myths that people believe. As we have seen, there's only two religions on earth. Christianity and humanism. Who can tell me from last week? What is our governing presupposition? What is it? Seven words. Timothy? God exists and His Word is true. Yes. I like that. What's the antithesis of that? What's the governing presupposition of the humanist? Homo mensura. Man is the measure of all things. And his senses and reason can lead him into truth. Those are the two worldviews of our day. But humanism does not merely stand on its own merit or propagate itself automatically. There are very powerful validating lies or myths which appear to give credence to humanism, thus making it appear legitimate. Science being one of those. I mean, how is it that people can believe such folly? There's a demonic anointing. Amen. On these commanding myths. It is judgment. It is delusion. Because men will not humbly bow to the word of God. And don't you think that you are not susceptible to this as well? If you are rebellious against God's word and authority, you don't see rightly. And in essence, you're doing the same thing as the scientists. You think your senses and your reason is sufficient to lead you into all truth. It's no different. This is terrifying. Terrifying. You know, I want to preach a message on how what we see so clearly in evolution and that it so corresponds. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, the only thing we know about the missing links is what? They're missing. That's right. But you know what? If you're carnal, you'll become convinced that everybody's against you. You're right and everybody's wrong. And although you have no evidence at all, you'll find the missing links. Amen. You'll dig up all of those links to prove your theory. It's no different. No different at all. We had better examine ourselves. 
Because just as Paul warned Timothy, there is science or knowledge that's not really knowledge, but it's deception and it's God's judgment upon those who will not humbly bow themselves to the truth and the throne of God. That's all it is. We're looking at it scientifically, but it happens right here in this church. You see, most people believe in God, but few really believe God. And in our day, the spirit of Antichrist is perhaps using no other vehicle so successfully to attack Christianity as modern science, which has become the body and the voice of the spirit of Antichrist. But there are absolutely or is absolutely no tension whatsoever between true science and the scriptures. It all confirms the truth of the word of God. That's when we define science rightly and do not accept the redefining of science as naturalism. He said, you've got to understand that he who defines wins. Science is the present observation of phenomena with your senses that can be observed and repeated and tested. That's what science is. And there's a difference between historical science and observational science. When we're talking about origins, is there a scientific position on origins? Yes or no? A real one? A real one. A legitimate one. Huh? There cannot be a legitimate scientific position on origins because our origins are in the past. There are only philosophical and religious positions on origins. Science cannot speak to that. But because they've redefined science, they have a historical science, they think they can. When we're talking about Big Bang cosmology and evolution, that's not science because no man has ever observed it. Furthermore, what they do is they have redefined science to mean naturalism. What is naturalism? It is the philosophy that only natural explanations are allowed. That's it. They have made that rule. Like I gave you the analogy about the football team. The team that got no yards, scored no points, in other words, has no evidence whatsoever. They declare themselves the champs because they've disqualified every other team. And that's what's going on. When they make the rules, and you say, well, the Bible's, oh, that's a religious answer. You know, for a moment you think they're about to say that's irrational or that's illogical or that's scientific. They don't, that's religious. What are they showing you? Don't you know that's against the rules? That's not a naturalistic explanation. It's not allowed to play the game. Don't you know that? That's what's going on. We've got to understand what is taking place. Let me close here this morning. With another practical example here. As many of you know, I've been corresponding with a biology major from LSU. And as I've been dialoguing with him, I have been seeking to deal with him presuppositionally. 
And as I have done that, he gets very frustrated when I don't want to deal with the evidence. And what's the deal? If, if he's redefined science to be naturalism, then it doesn't matter what I say about the evidence. None of my explanations are even credible. So I'm seeking to deal with him, not about evidence, but about the interpretation of the evidence, which is a product of our underlying presuppositions or worldview. And he doesn't like that. I wonder why. So, as I have dealt with him presuppositionally, he has entreated one of the great philosophy gods, a man named Tony Hackenslash Murphy, Dr. Tony Hackenslash Murphy, who, as he was entreated on this thread, he graciously descended from Mount Philosophy to give me a little lesson. And I sought to deal with this man, very patient, very gracious, but he was so bitter and vitriolic, accusatory, using profanity. I mean, it's unbelievable. I'm just seeking to ask him questions. But yet, it appears as though he's offended in his heart. And so I just asked a question to Tony. I said, Tony, if I was defending my presuppositional commitment to the tooth fairy, would you be so vile? I said, what is it about Jesus Christ that causes you to act like this? I said, Tony, methinks ye protest too much. And the great Tony Hackenslash Murphy sends me this. A meatball in the spirit. Listen to this. And, and listen, as I read this, you seek to see if you can discern the inconsistencies in this atheistic wah, wah, tirade. In fact, I might need some tissues as I read this to you here. Because it will tug on your heartstrings. He says... There's a common trope that atheists must have some suppressed belief in a deity because so many of us spend so much time talking about religion and God. The first thing to note is that this isn't true of all atheists. Only those of us who recognize what a pernicious influence religious religion has on society, that we, that we are those on the society that we and those we love must live in. This undue influence manifests itself in so many negative ways in our society, such as the continued attempts to have unwarranted and unearned privilege in government and legislation, attempts to control individuals not subject to their beliefs, and structures and arenas like bodily autonomy, sexual practices, marriage, etc., that it is incumbent on the non-believer to counter the claims of the religious at every step. And when this influence takes its proper place at the table of discourse, as opposed to attempting to control discourse for its own ends, those of us who are active in the public sphere will go and find some other cause to work at. As it is, because we're in the minority, the only recourse we currently possess 
is to attempt to actively reduce that influence by showing that the foundation on which the influence is based is abject nonsense. So yes, we talk about God and religion and unquestionable doctrinal imperatives generally and the blanky behavior that results therefrom taking special care to debunk this idiotic these idiotic assertions arising from the various religious dogmas and will continue to do so do so until society is just and fair did you see the inconsistencies and when he wrote back to me he said he said it, it's so delicious to me <laughs> That you would say this about atheism. Because I am merely seeking to expose the immorality of your position. So I responded to Tony. I had been very patient with him. But one day as I sat at my typewriter, I felt the spirit of Brother Britt descending upon me. As I engaged this man. Amen. I said, Tony, I must admit that I'm really disappointed in you. I truly expected much more philosophical savvy from such a titan as yourself. I really don't even know where to start here. First, you charge Christianity with being the most deeply immoral doctrine ever devised. May I ask where this transcendent, objective, and binding standard of morality is, which you presuppose and appeal to in order to make any sense at all of this injunction? So, according to you, religion is a pernicious influence? Indeed, it can be so. But what you are ignorant of is the fact that all men, yourself included, are equally religious. Like me, Tony... You also possess an object of worship, not the creator who is supremely worthy, but shamefully yourself the creature. Moreover, you live by faith as well. Faith in the validity and sufficiency of your senses and reason to lead you into all truth. Thus, your senses and reason serve as your Bible or ultimate authority in all things. The problem here, however, is not that you live by faith, for we all do. Your problem is since your senses and reason are supposedly the mere accidental products of time, chance, and chemicals, it is irrational to exercise faith in them to accurately interpret reality. Furthermore, you believe in miracles as well, Tony. In fact, far more than are contained in the entirety of the Scriptures. For you religiously believe all the naturally impossible steps necessary to go from nothing to goo to you, as directed by the guides of time and chance. You see, Tony, you really have no problems with miracles, just the God of miracles, who commands you to forsake your sin and bow the knee. And where did you conjure up the command, thou shalt not be a pernicious influence upon society from? You speak of our negative ways? And our desire, desire to control individuals, negative? I'm pretty sure from my interaction with you that you don't have any problems with being negative. I guess this arbitrary standard only applies to those you disagree with. Maybe you can also provide 
your objective and transcendentally binding authority, which backs these two negative and controlling commands, that thou shalt not be negative and thou shalt not control others. You then plead for justice and fairness. When according to your worldview, we are merely stardust and bipedal protoplasm. What does it really matter if stardust collides with stardust? Given your worldview, Tony, the proper response to your unjustifiable tantrum is simply, so what? Moreover, it is quite revealing that in the midst of your little, let's all be nice and fair rant, you plead for the barbaric murder of innocent babies. I guess they are just not entitled to your brand of self-defined and self-serving justice. It appears you are not only a random chemical reaction who is having an off day and fizzing some really bad logic. But perhaps we are witnessing a chink in your armor through these suppression slips as your inherent knowledge of the Christian God is coming to the surface. You are apparently not only a bundle of chemicals, but of contradictions as well. Take a deep breath, Tony, and think. You are judging my judgment, judgmentalism, puritanically condemning my religious condemnation with great fury and wrath, mind you. And then amazingly and hypocritically shoving your religious belief down my throat that I should never shove religion down anyone's throat. Shaking my head. Maybe you should have just stayed up on Mount, self-refuting, arbitrary hypocrite who is suppressing the knowledge of God instead of condescending to enlighten us, us Cretans with your laughable folly. He told me I was a Cretan. You really seem like some kind of a hot gospeler, Tony, preaching up a firestorm. The only problem is you don't have a text for your sermon. I'll be praying for you. I never heard back from Tony, which is a minor miracle. You see, only God can change men's hearts. But we can, as Paul told Timothy, he said, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but he must be gentle in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. You see, Tony is opposing himself. He's, he's rejecting his only hope, but he's, his whole worldview is a bundle of contradictions. He's a walking contradiction. And what we can do is to graciously speak the truth in love, pointing that out in hopes that the Spirit of God will awaken them and bring conviction of sin. You see, Christianity is supremely rational. You never have to fear that, young people. Amen. We live by faith. But our faith is supremely rational. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Christianity is true. Christianity is supremely logical. There is no other possible worldview that can make sense of life 
and the things that we know and do and say on a daily basis. And all men have that knowledge. But they're suppressing it because of the consequences. So if we can bring men to the place where we have presented the only two options. There's only two options. It's either Jesus Christ or absurdity. And if you can bring a man to that place where you have presented Jesus Christ to him, you have abode in the Spirit, you have spoken what God would have you to speak, you have unveiled his deception and hypocrisy, and you have set before him, not just merely in word, but in spirit, Jesus Christ and absurdity. If you bring that man to that place, And he embraces absurdity. You've done all that you can do. Now, you can continue to pray for that man, continue to witness to that man. But sometimes we think, I I haven't been successful. Oh, yes, you have. You brought him to that place face to face with truth. Made him face what he says he believes. And if he will look Jesus Christ and rationality and logic and science in the face and say, I will not have it. And he embraces his absurdity. You have been a true and a faithful witness. Amen. That's what we are called to do. Let's stand here this morning. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today. That you have graciously, Father, revealed... Yourself, your ways, and your truth unto such as us. Oh, Father, establish us all in the way. Father, we pray that you would make of us faithful and true witnesses of Christ. Lord, enable us to stand unashamed before this wicked and adulterous generation. We thank you and trust you to do it. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We'll take a short break and come back for church.